James Harden's going to sign their extension. His trade value is not there. And when you hear reports... Wilson paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contract. What happens next year with Giannis Antetokounmpo? He will be eligible for a Supermax next summer. If he re-signs a new reality, the players are going to move around and the players are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole you know, life. And because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 Find a home. So, he probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free agency. I think agency. he could have got a lot more in the offseason. Wow. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got to No question. What's going on, party people? I am your host, Stephen Bagel, and this is Sports Ethos' very own The Bird Rights Podcast. As you guys know, this is also going on Round Ball Rambles feed with Corbin Ford. You guys can go check that out at, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast. That is another Sports Ethos production. So first of all, before we introduce our first guest, Corbin, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Good long week, kind of winding down. Basketball, you know, that's what else can I get? You know, actually, a chocolate cake would be nice, but that's it. I'm good. Okay, it's Friday night. <laughs> Treat yourself. You know? <laughs> um. So, Corbin actually has made his first few moves in the mock trade deadline, but we'll get into that either later this episode or next episode. I don't want to spoil anything. The real man of the hour here is our, I suppose, our man of the next 20, 25 minutes or so, <laughs> is our participant, Raptors GM. We have Ez Barahini. As how are you doing today? Good, man. Good. Appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you guys for for doing this simulation. Honestly, this is uh, it's cool. It was fun to put myself in the in kind of the shoes of what Messiah Jury and Bobby Webster would decide to do. Um, and yeah, I, I guess I was I was busy to say the least. You've done a good busy. job. You've you've definitely done one of the better jobs I've seen so far, in in my opinion. Okay, dope. You don't give uh, praise like that. That's yeah. Good. <laughs> I mean, hey, all right. Okay, I, I would I'll like one it. of those. I'll, yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Corbin, yeah. we will get into well, yours. Yeah, we'll eviscerate my Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I know. I know. <laughs> but Ez is on to talk about, he has made five, I suppose five trades, just really four trades, because one of them procedurally yeah. had to become a three-teamer for aggregation purposes. But okay. we'll just talk about them as five different trades. And Corbin and I talked about in part one of the series how we expect the Raptors to kind of be the team to shape the deadline because, you know, we're obviously going to talk about Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., the availability of OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, if there is any availability. So, as before we get into the trades we did make, or that you did make, yeah, let's talk about one trade that you didn't. We had Josh of the Utah Jazz on last episode, yeah. and we discussed how he offered you Four first-round picks, three being unprotected, and then I believe it was Jared Vanderbilt, Kelly Olenek, and Malik Beasley off the top of my head for OG and an Yeah. It took you six minutes to decline that. <laughs> I think, look, I, man, it's tough. I think my perspective on where I was at with OG um, going into the deadline, and that was one of the first offers I had gotten for OG, right? Mm -hmm. I think one of the only offers I got for OG. So I was like, look, I wanna I wanna see what's out there first. You know, I wanna see what the landscape is like, how other teams are feeling when it comes to OG. And to be honest, I also think the Raptors are sort of doing that. From the reports that we've seen with, oh, they're looking for two young guys plus a pick, they're looking for multiple picks, plus, you know, they're looking for the DeJounte Murray package, the Donovan Mitchell package, all this stuff was been has been reported when it comes to OG Ananobi. So I think they're 
as much as I wasn't throwing feelers out there, I think the Raptors are throwing feelers out there to see mm-hmm. if they can get some really, really high value. Looking back on it, four uh, pr- picks is is a pretty nice price. Who them want like protect? They were um, yeah, Cleveland unprotected from the Donovan Mitchell trade. Oh right, so so yeah, that's what it was. I didn't see the value in the Cleveland picks okay. uh, because of the fact that look, I think Donovan Mitchell ends up resigning there, and I think Cleveland with Evan Mobley and Darius Garland, th- those picks aren't going to be as valuable to me. Mm-hmm. So if I'm getting picks and and the players I'm not getting back, you mentioned Jared Vanderbilt, you mentioned Kelly Olynyk. Malik Malik Beasley you got anyway but we'll talk about right 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 um I just didn't see those guys as the the value coming back for me just wasn't enough for the the prospects if I'm getting if I'm giving up a guy like OG I need a prospect that I'm like all right this is a guy I'm building around for the next couple of years whatever amount of years that I have so yeah that's that's why I didn't do that deal and honestly we still have a little bit of time here if there is an OG deal that comes by that kind of sweeps me off my feet, maybe sure, okay. but I I don't I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening to be honest with you. So you talked about a prospect that'll sweep you off your feet. Yeah, that classifies Dyson Daniels. Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah. So we already I, had Josh Long, as I said, or we had a Neil Long as well from the yeah. Pelicans GM. So he went in a long rationale because, as you know, there's been hundreds maybe close to a thousand people tweeting after you tweeted the trade out <laughs> either yeah you people saying were not happy people were, were not happy yeah. no yeah. so <laughs> there's a bounty against me from the city from of new orleans it's but anyway we corbin and i both think anil's rationale was pretty sound so anybody who wants to listen to it go back to part two of this episode or of this series and give us your opinion. I mean, he basically compared it to the Drew Holiday trade to Milwaukee, saying that was also a disaster at the time. But they won a championship, so you know who's really gonna complain about it now. So, yeah, I, I mean, look, I I think I understand it from his perspective in terms of like value wise. Maybe that was a little bit too much, and that was me kind of greasing the wheels, if you will, to see how much more I can kind of get out of him when we were doing the negotiations. I was I was sort of seeing okay how much more can you add that second round pick from Chicago which I think will be valuable you know in, in next season let's see if they blow it up that could be an interesting deal can you add Najee Marshall along with a Dyson Daniels because I think Najee is a guy that the Raptors would be interested in so it was just seeing how much more I can improve it around the the fringes if you will when it comes to Fred Van Vliet I imagine the Raptors are also looking for a pretty big deal, pretty big return here. Um, he has picked it up as of late. I think in January, he shot the ball a little bit better. Um, the defense, I, I will say it has slid a little bit on ball, but the off-ball defense is just as great. I think the question you have with Fred Van Vliet is, if you're if you're trading him to a contender, and I love the wine, if that is wine, shout out to yes. you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But but like if you are if you are going to go ahead and trade for a Fred Van Vliet, you have to assume that you're not going to be playing him as much minutes as the Raptors do right now. Um, And I think that helps a a team like the Pelicans because you tell yourself, all right, cool. We're probably going to play play Fred Van Vliet, maybe 28, 29 minutes a night. Mm Uh, we probably don't pair him a bunch with a guy like CJ McCollum, but he's a guy that you can sub in to give you a little bit more of an offensive boost instead of a Jose Alvarado. So I, I honestly think it was a win-win in that regard. You could argue about value-wise if I got more or he got more, whatever, that doesn't matter. But 
Dyson you Daniels. You accomplished what you wanted. Toronto wants to get younger, get picks, get a prospect right. that they yeah. highly value, and and you'll and the Pelicans were competing for a championship. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. So and this happens all the time in the NBA, where Drew Holiday, perfect example. People judge the trade on its face. Uh, and again, the Rudy Gobert one, I always said it was excessive to give four unprotected picks. And right now, that looks like they're right back. But who knows? If somehow Minnesota comes out next year and wins a championship, then nobody's really going to care that they gave up that much. Right. Just hypothetically speaking, obviously. I saw a lot of uh, Pelicans people being like, look, there's no way they would include Dyson Daniels in a Fred Van Vliet trade. And look, maybe that is true. Maybe that is is correct in the, the Pelican sphere of things. But I think that's the type of value that the Raptors would look back for. Well, um, that's what they did with Kyle Lowry. And they just ended up holding him threw yeah. out his contract and didn't move him. But, yeah, I mean, you know, there was the reports of Tyrese Maxey being which, available. thank God, situation. as a Sixers fan, that right. would not treat him. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, I don't know. I think I think for me, it's like, if I can get a prospect like that in return for Fred Van Vliet, from the Raptors' perspective, that's a no-brainer. Uh, you can build around Dyson Daniels. And Dyson was a guy that they were interested in the NBA draft. I know there were rumors that they were trying to move up in the draft in order to, you know, take a guy like Dyson. So, mm-hmm. they finally get their guy. They move on, and I think Najee is a piece that, you know, me personally, I'm I'm interested in to kind of keep around as well. So, so then the first trade you kind of got us kicked off with the whole mock trade deadline. The yeah. day that we started conducting trades, you and we had Logan from the Timberwolves already on last episode as well. So he already talked about his perspective of the Jalen Noel from Malachi Flynn swap. Right. Quickly, what's yours? I, I just. For me, it was a no-brainer. I think Malachi I Flynn, uh, it was I, – I don't know how much longer Malachi Flynn has in the league in the sense that, like, look, maybe he gets another contract, maybe another team takes a flyer on him, and maybe he figures it out in uh, a scheme that runs more pick and roll and is more with him kind of initiating actions. But that hasn't happened. That hasn't been the case in Toronto. He's been given opportunity this season, and the shot just hasn't been consistent. Uh, I think that's the big outlier for a guy who's of his size. Like, you need to be able to shoot the ball if you're that small. And he hasn't been able to. So, for me, it's like, look, if I can get Jalen Noel, a guy who I'm also high on, who's a free agent, who I think I can maybe sign to a team-friendly deal because he hasn't had the best of seasons, I'm buying low on a guy that that might not be, you know, uh, might not be in the right fit or right spot for a guy like Malachi Flynn. Easy, no-brainer for me. Mm-hmm. I agree. I told Logan. I, I, you bo- Again, you both accomplished what you wanted to. Logan yeah. wanted another cost-controlled guy who was on a contract for another year rather than having to pay Jalen Noel and going to the tax probably to do it. Right. And you got the superior player who you feel confident in resigning. So Yeah. And look, look, I, I kind of made that deal knowing I'm moving Fred Van Vliet. I'm moving yeah. Gary Trent Jr. And those are the two those are the two guys that are gonna get big paydays. So now my cap is I'm I'm a little bit more flexible in the summer to re sign a guy like Noel, re sign a guy like Najee Marshall. And now there's some flexibility there, right? Mm-hmm. Najee Marshall, I like that you were able to snag him in that Pelicans deal. I think that was a yeah, pretty man. underrated nice part of the deal. Raptors fit for sure. Yeah, exactly. Right. He, he's six, <laughs> six, eight. He can defend. He's like, Rangy. <laughs> yeah, they, they call him the knife because he's like, uh, he's like a Swiss army knife, right? He's mm-hmm. a jack of all trades. And that's, that's exactly what the Raptors like. So I love it. Um, knowing your, your experience, obviously in general, as I won't say, well, Raptors expert, I think that's fair to say. Um, yeah. And just kind of knowing or keeping in mind, keeping track of the team, kind of having a pulse most definitely on where they're going. How easy or difficult was that to bring the mindset of, okay, this is what we expect the Raptors to do? Because I think we all agree that they're definitely 
kind of a tentpole in this trade deadline in terms of what could happen and them being a huge part of it, but also reacting to offers that came your way. Like, I'm sure, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but Jalen Rowe maybe wasn't on your, okay, we need to target that guy. But then the offer pops up and it's like, you know what, okay, cool. Whereas uh, a more seismic change like a Dyson Daniels, a trade or anything like that, then, you know, it's maybe differing slightly from what you came into um, in terms of your plan. So I'm just curious how you leveraged your initial thoughts with where the Raptors are in their current process and the directions they can go with where you went in this world that the trade deadline created. I think above all else, I understand that the Raptors have a ton of flexibility. They have their own picks. They have guys that are wanted. Um, and on top of that, they have they have these young players that they can look forward to after that. So there's a Scotty Barnes. There's a Precious Achua. There's a Christian Coloco. These are guys, building block type guys that you could see you know, developing and moving forward that way. Um, When I had that in mind, I'm like, okay, clearly those are guys I'm not moving. Pascal Siakam to me is a guy who is a, to your point, cost controlled asset. He might be a super max guy, but he's just too valuable to move unless there is a seismic deal. I felt the Mm. same way about OG Ananobi. So it's like, if unless someone blows your socks off with the deal, I'm not going to be moving any of those guys. So now it's, all right, Gary Trent Jr. might walk this season. He's looking for a, a salary raise. Fred Van Vliet might walk this season. He's also looking for a pay raise. So those are guys that I'm going to throw into deals very, very often. And Steven, I'm sure you saw it from the amount of group chats I opened up, but <laughs> I was I was throwing out flyers for Fred and Gary consistently. Gary so, Trent, it took a while to, for you to find a buyer. And we'll talk about yeah. that in a minute, but it took a while to get some traction on a trade for yeah. him. And, and I, I mean, to your point, Corbin, I think that does relate to what the Raptors are looking at right now, too. I think in terms of value, I would be surprised if the Raptors get that type of value back for Fred Van Vliet. I think mm-hmm. I probably hit the 100 percentile in that situation. Um, yeah. But I also think that they wouldn't be – I wouldn't be surprised if they end up packaging an OG Ananobi and a Fred Van Vliet or just – or just OG Ananobi itself, because that's the guy that everybody is clamoring over. That's the guy everybody wants. So you can get your best bang for your buck and get that value back, right? Sell high, as they say. Exactly. Yeah, I'm all about that. I get you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have a couple more trades that Ez was able to complete. You traded Chris Boucher and Otto Porter Jr., who most recently was announced out for the season, but he does have a player option next year. For Jackson Hayes and Malik Beasley. And Malik Beasley is a guy you spoke about in a few negotiations. Is he kind of the Gary Trent? You did that trade before you traded Gary Trent Jr. But as you're saying now, you had you were anticipating on Gary Trent Jr. moving. So is Malik Beasley has a team option next year? Is he just kind of stepping into that role? The air replacement. Exactly. (laughs) He's he he's the replacement. He's also cost controlled in the sense that he's a team option. I think it was I want to say 15, about twelve million a year, 15, 15, 15? Right. Okay, yeah, sure, sure. Either way, that's that's Gary Trent Jr. was getting paid eighteen million this year. He's probably looking for something around twenty five next year. Yeah. So that that works for me in terms of money wise. And also, uh, Chris Boucher, he's a long term contract, 13, uh, 13 a year, I believe, or twelve a year. And that's a guy that I wanted to kind of move off of because of the long term the aspect of his contract and also Otto Porter jr. I imagine he was going to be opting into his player option next season, especially because he missed this season. So those were two guys that I just wanted to get rid of in order to create some cap space this summer in order to create some flexibility for myself. Jackson Hayes is a guy who he wanted to include in the trade. I don't think I'm going to be re-signing. If I had to continue this on into the summer, he's probably a guy that I let walk. 
especially with the Gary Trent Jr. deal that I made later on. So to me, it's Malik Beasley is a cheaper, uh, more cost control, team friendly kind of option that that kind of replaces what Gary Trent Jr. does. And also there's an argument to be had that he might do some of the stuff Gary Trent Jr. does better. He's a, he's an yeah. insane shooter. He's been shooting the lights out for the last two seasons. He's a great movement guy. I think that works well with Pascal Siakam. I could see him being a big part of the team, you know, two, three years from now, if I had to continue this thing. Absolutely. And you get younger. I mean, Chris Boucher is definitely on the resident NBA black don't crack, but the dude's like 30, 31. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that's that true. as well, for sure. <laughs> so the center you did replace Chris Boucher with, this is, again, it's a three-teamer that theoretically was two separate trades, but for aggregation right. purposes, for all my front office nerds out there, which why else would you be listening to Bird Rights Podcast? <laughs> but anyway, you traded... Gary Trent Jr., Juancho Hunter Gomez, Devontae Graham, you were able to get off that money that you took from the Pelicans. Had to. Impressive. And a (laughs) 2026 top 25 protected first, which I believe is the best of Milwaukee and Pelicans. Right. And you got Bull Bull. Mm -hmm. You got Mo Bamba. You got Orlando's 2023 second, which is going to be a high second on pick this year. Terrence Ross and RJ Hampton. You then flipped RJ Hampton with Ken Birch and two seconds to 26 and 28 to San Antonio for Doug McDermott. Right. Because you would have had 16 guys on your roster otherwise and had to condense. Yep. So, yeah, you get Mo Bomber to replace Boucher. You get Bull Ball, who clearly fits what Toronto's doing and yep. is under contract next year. Mo Bomb. Well, I think Bull. Bull Bull has a non-guarantee next year that you could pick up, and yep. Mobamba yep. has a team option. So both those guys will likely be back next year. Yep. You got off Devontae Graham's money that would have leaked into next year. Yep. And you got off Kim Birch's money, but you took on Doug McDermott, but at least Doug McDermott, big shooter. Right. It's Toronto well. Yep. I-, I like that money on your books more than... And again, Terrence Ross is expiring, which... I think by the end of this, you're going to end up getting some interest in Terrence Ross and end up flipping him anyway by the time this exercise is over. Just because, you know, wing on expiring deal that could contribute to a contender, why not? Yeah, I mean, that's that's why I I, like, as soon as I got Terrence Ross, I kind of sent a a message to the Lakers and I'm like, you could have Terrence Ross for a second if you'd like. Yeah, just just to see what's out there. You know what I mean? Um, But yeah, I, I agree with you. Look, I think the rationale was... Uh, the team was becoming a little bit too guard heavy and I needed another big man uh, in there. When he mentioned Mobamba and Bol Bol, I thought that made a lot of sense for me because of, you know, this this six nine vision that we're trying to build out. And Bol Bol is a guy that the Raptors have been very, very high on. Mobamba is also a guy that the Raptors have been very, very high on. They finally get two guys that they can throw into the center position that are sort of your rim protectors, but Bol Bol can also put the ball on the floor. Um, I think that's huge. That's important. And look, getting off of Devontae's, uh, you know, contract for a 2026 New Orleans or Milwaukee first, that's top 25 protected. I'm pretty sure I'm getting that pick back. So I, 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 I think I'm confident in that scenario that like at some point that that pick will pan out as well. And when it comes to Gary Trent Jr., I think that's a guy that if if our team was a little bit younger and we were going in that direction. I could see us keeping. I was I wasn't too keen on trading Gary. I think 
if the value was there for me, it would make a lot of sense. And I valued a guy like Mo Bamba. I valued a guy like Bol Bol. And especially getting that Orlando 2023 second round pick, which is going to be in the top 35, I believe. Yeah. it. That's that's valuable. That's valuable for me. So I had to move on it. You kind of went into this whole project 6-9 more than yeah. Masai has. <laughs> yeah, I mean, You got bit. off Van yeah. Vliet. You got yeah. off Malachi Flynn. You got off Gary Trent's. You yep. brought in Bull Bull, you brought in Obama, you brought in Dyson Daniels, you brought in Doug McDermott, like yep. Jalen Noel. You I, I think absolutely like, Najee Marshall. Absolutely. No, you you're hundred percent right. Look, I think the six nine thing works if you have varying skills. The yep. Raptors right now have a bunch of dudes who can do the exact same thing. Now that 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 can work, but you just have to maximize on certain things so much every single night, and it just does not work. This way. You have a guy like Dyson Daniels, who's a creator. You have a guy like Doug McDermott, who's a shooter. Bull Bull can put the ball on the floor. He can, he can kind of space the floor a little bit for you as well. Mo Bamba has done, has kind of shown you that he can space the floor a little bit. He's a rim protecting big as well. So that is a plus. Malik Beasley, he's he's smaller. I think he's like 6'4", but he's still mm-hmm. a guy who can shoot the ball, shoot the heck out of the ball, show some size as well. Obviously, Scotty Barnes, obviously Dyson Daniels. I don't know, man. I think, I think like... If you're going to go with the 6-9 vision, commit to guys who have a variety of skills, not just one type of skill. So Yeah, and, and you didn't do it, so I'm going to because I had a moment. My brain's crazy. As you're talking, I'm like, this reminds me of this great article I just read a couple of days ago about the <laughs> Raptors and the Clippers. You wrote it, so it's hilarious. But yeah, you yeah, were yeah. expressing that exact same thing about the size isn't really the problem. It's about the functions that you perform at that size and whether you can hit all aspects of the basketball court. So awesome piece just on the side, but it's funny. You see Appreciate you kind of speaking truth to power in terms of your moves yeah, at the deadline yeah. to kind of create that. So that makes a lot of sense there. I, I kind of went into it. I'm like, look, I understand that Raptors, uh, the Raptors fans and Raptors Twitter, they want to move off Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet. They want to fully commit to the six, nine vision. Okay. Yeah. Let's say if Messiah Jerry and Bobby Webster had that same belief and said, let's just commit fully to this vision. How could they do it? And how could they optimize that in a way that works? I think Dyson Daniels is a guy that they would 100% commit to, whether that meant, you know, moving certain guys and moving picks to get, I don't know. I don't know how they would do it, but that's a guy they would hunt for. Uh, And, you know, the other guys, Najee Marshall, Bull Bull, Mo Bamba, these are, like I said, dudes that can do a lot of different things for you. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense when you're throwing out these funky lineups that Nick Nurse likes to do. So Absolutely. Appreciate you plugging the article, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, of course. (laughs) It was real good. Well done. That was... (laughs) Speaking of plugging, it's time to plug all of Ez's work as you have a new podcast with Friend of the Pod, Long and Gun. Yep. And that is the Objective Podcast. You could follow Ez on Twitter at just as so J-U-S-T-E-S, then his last name Barahaney, B-A-R-A-H-E-N-I. Ez, anything else you want to plug? Not at all, man. Thank you guys. Appreciate you guys for for letting me jump on. Uh, it's been really, really dope to do this simulation. Uh, I hope in the next, you know, week or so, I, I get some crazy offers just to see how I can, you know, switch things up a little bit more. But we'll see. We'll see what people happens. are going to get desperate because a lot of the guys that have been on the trade block that we anticipate getting traded have already been moved. Right. So yeah. it wouldn't shock me if you know you get a ransom offer for an OG and an Obio, Pascal Siakam, or yeah. Something along those lines, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Okay. We will be back shortly with part two of this episode, and we will talk to you guys momentarily.
And we are now here with our second guest of the episode, Keith Cork. And Keith, you guys may know him from Sports Ethos' DFS department, from his Chicago Bulls coverage with his co-host Trey Hill. But Keith, in this exercise, he was a Chicago Bulls last year. This year, we decided to give them to his buddy Trey. And Keith was a Sacramento Kings. So let's start with the first trade you made, Keith. And that was essentially... You traded with Sean Holmes, who has multiple years left on his deal. You got off his money. Mm-hmm. You traded Nemius Keita, who's on a two-way contract, and a 2024 second to the Hornets for Mason Plumlee and his expiring. Yeah. So, yep. so uh, wh- I want to kind of give my rationale behind your trade, and you could kind of tell me if it, if it was the same line of thinking that you had. Mason yeah. Plumlee, when he was on the Nuggets behind Jokic, they essentially ran the same offense because Plumlee is such a good passing big. Mm. Did you think about that, given that you have DeMontis Sabonis as a starting center, that you know you could kind of do a similar thing that Denver did years ago before Plumlee ended up signing with Detroit and ended up being traded to Charlotte thereafter? Well, yeah, I mean, definitely. First off, I'm a big, big fan of Plumlee just in general. I think he's an undervalued big. Uh, obviously, he's got holes in his game. Free throw shooting is absolutely atrocious. Uh, you know, not necessarily the the best defender. The Charlotte Hornets get crushed at the rim constantly. But I think, you know, when you look at the Kings, you know, they don't really have anybody that's a big body uh, that they can bring off the bench to fill 15 minutes, you know, if Sabonis is in trouble, foul trouble, or uh, or what have you. But, but yeah, a big part of that is his passing ability um, and his ability to be like a, a Devonta Sabonis light. I mean, it's, it's an underrated passing ability for sure. Um, but I've watched him a lot in Charlotte because, you know, uh, just happened to watch a lot of NBA games. And uh, he is a guy that, you know, once he gets that ball in the center, it's not like a black hole. It's not, you know, automatically going up. He can kick it out to shooters. Uh, or he can go ahead and put his head down and get to the rim too. So I do think he's a, a very good quality backup big. One of those almost borderline starters. So, you know, he is starting in Charlotte now. But I think they have plans to to basically start their their young guys at this point. So it seemed like an easy guy to target for me. Yeah, and then after you did that, you you just kind of split one backup center for another with that. But I, I know one thing you were really looking for was a backup point guard behind De'Aaron Fox. Mm-hmm. And that's when you traded you traded Alex Lyon, obviously, mostly for salary matching purposes, but you know, Plummy made him even more expendable than he already is. So you mm-hmm. traded Alex Lyon and a twenty twenty five second round pick to the Pistons for Corey Joseph. Yeah. So I mean- yeah. I was just going to say, why why Joseph out of every backup point guard? Was it just because the salary matched well with Len and it was an easy swap, or yeah. was it something in particular? No, I mean, I think uh, I like Corey Joseph's team, too. I think he's another underrated guy. I think he's a good backup, good solid backup. But it was more so about pricing to me. You know, I, I knew I could get him for a second-round pick, and that's really the, the price point I was looking at. So, uh, you know, Detroit was active. It seemed like to make made sense to me. So it made sense to them as well. So it worked out for both teams there and um, didn't really think that, you know, I was going to be in the market for a backup point guard, but we'll talk about another trade in a minute here that kind of made it essential. Uh, I had some, some, uh, another move that I made that uh, made that, that, uh, that necessity for me. So, but yeah, I think, you know, getting, uh, going back to that Plumlee deal, getting out from that Rashawn Holmes money was big too. Uh, I think it was just a, a very big win. Uh, from the Kings' perspective, if that actually got pulled off in real life, because that was Sean Holmes' money is like kind of looming large over the heads, I think, of the of the Kings' organization. And not that I don't like Rashawn Holmes, I think he's a, a talented player. My brother actually played against him in high school, which is kind of funny. Okay. But 
Um, but yeah, he's a, uh, again, that salary is just, it's tough to eat when he's a guy that you can't really trust to put on the floor uh, for regular backup minutes, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, but yeah, I mean, Corey, jo- Corey Joseph, I mean, just a solid guy, you know what you're getting out of him. He's a solid, uh, you know, backup point guard. He's been getting minutes here and there with the Pistons and when he does get minutes, he does produce. Uh, he was good with Kings before. So, you know, figure there's a little bit of history there as well. So Kojo was a, was a guy that I was looking to target as soon as I, May the the other trade we're gonna talk about, <laughs> and that trade's gonna upset Corbin a little bit. Yeah, because <laughs> you know Corbin was after the same guy. So let's get into that trade. This was one of the trades where I said, "Okay, fine, I'll push it through, as long as the GM is willing to come on the pod and justify it." Because mm-hmm. you know when we had a Neil along with the Pelicans last episode, and everyone's like, "Oh, how can you trade Dyson Daniels to get Fred VanVleet?" <laughs> He did an admirable job, in my opinion, really being able to justify it to the whole city of New Orleans who's tweeting at me. <laughs> my credibility. So, Keith, essentially, the big trade we're talking about is he traded Keegan Murray, who obviously the Kings just drafted with the fourth overall pick. Maybe mm-hmm. a little controversial because everyone thought they should have taken Jaden Ivey, but they did just trade Tyrese Halliburton because of the glutter guards. But anyway, he traded Keegan Murray, who was just the fourth pick in the draft, obviously, and Davion Mitchell. And you traded both. Those were basically the two young assets that I don't personally think in the real-life trade deadline Keegan Murray would be available. But for purposes mm-hmm. of this exercise, I suppose I understand it. And both Corbin mm-hmm. and I, me being Miami, Corbin being the Nets, both were after the same guy you traded for, and that's Kyle Kuzma for the Wizards. And then you also took in Vernon Carey's salary um, in that trade as well. So mm-hmm. Kuzma's interesting because, one, he's an expiring deal. And well, he has a player option, but it's almost a certainty. Unless something yeah. catastrophic it happens, he's opting out of that. Right. And, you know, are, are the, would the Kings really in real life give up a guy on a rookie deal that just had to fourth overall for an expiring guy they may not resign. But right. in, in actuality, the Kings did want Kyle Kuzma desperately in that Buddy Heald trade that before mm-hmm. the Lakers ended up getting Russell Westbrook, they initially agreed to the Buddy Heald. They were getting Kyle Kuzma in that deal, and the Kings in real life apparently still covered him. So mm-hmm. Kuzma, Colbert and I have talked about it on the previous episode. We think he's the most interesting name just about on the trade block, unless you want to include like OG and Nobi, just because of how covered he's going to be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Kuzma's a guy that every team could use. Is Miami. I was trying to go after him. I offered a first round pick, Dwayne Dedman and um, Caleb Malden. I know mm-hmm. you talked to Corbin a little bit about Royce O'Neal, mm-hmm. but you ended up going with, or you ended up, tra- or you ended up trading, Kuz- trading Keegan Murray for Kuzma rather than like a Royce O'Neal. So mm. why Kuzma? I mean, is it just how seamless of a fit he is as an off-ball guy who could move well and do dribble handoffs with Sabonis or Fox? Or he, I, I just feel like he fits the offense very well. So one, you have to, obviously in this exercise, we don't have those handshake agreements with agents to mm. really know, okay, would they actually be signed with us? But mm. When I had Eric Pingus on the episode on um, a few episodes ago, he did say Kuzma is after a lifestyle. Right. So that Sacramento lifestyle would, you know, California. He he's already lived that in LA. So right. I, I suppose you you're banking on him resigning if you give him Keegan Murray. So, yeah, um, mm-hmm. so why Kuzma and are you confident in his ability to resign? 
Yeah, when I was speaking, you know, obviously Matt Moderno is the one that's uh, running the Wizards organization, which he's a big Wizards fan. I love him. He's a good follow on Twitter. You all should go follow him if you want to know some Wizards uh, inside, you know, information. But, uh, no, he's, uh, you know, when we were talking, it was basically like, you know, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to have a caveat here that's saying Kuzma has given us a verbal agreement he's going to re-sign with the Kings, right? Because like you said, he, yeah, right. And, and we can't do that in this exercise, so it's not official, obviously, but in real life, I I don't see this as being a, a that far of a stretch of something that the Kings could do. I mean, look, last I looked, the Kings were in third place in the West. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know this, they just dropped a game yesterday, but so they might have fallen a, a place or two, but still, you got to strike while the iron's hot. You can't go ahead and bank on theoretical value with Keegan Murray. And I love Keegan Murray. I think he's a very talented player. He's going to be a very talented, at least 3 and D type guy. And uh, with his ability to hit clutch shots, I mean, possibly even better. So, like, I'm very high on him. I think you have to get a good return back for him. My goal, uh, you know, aside from what was kind of assigned to the team, was I wanted a third star to pair with, you know, Darren Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. So, Kuzma's not necessarily an all-star. I think he's borderline, though. I think yeah. he really is I'll because agree. he has developed his game on both sides of the basketball. He's become a very, very talented, as you said, off-ball scorer. Doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands. He actually is a pretty talented passer at this point in his career. And defensively, I think he slept on a little bit. I think he's actually pretty decent defensively. And when I'm looking at this Kings roster, I'm looking at, you know, who are you going to put out there to guard a Giannis type or a Kevin Durant type? And I honestly, looking up and down this roster, I, I just don't know who that guy's going to be that's going to go ahead and try to shut down a guy like that. You can't shut down a guy like that. But Kuzma does fit that mold just because of his length. Is he a, a fantastic defender? No. But I think he's a guy you can throw out there. And, you know, if he's placed 25 minutes and gets in foul trouble, it is what it is. You've still got some, you know, ammo off the bench. But he's going to bring the offense also on the, on the other side of the ball. So I think he's a very talented player. I think if you can get him to extend with the Kings. And the other thing is, you know, you guys are mentioning, you guys both had interest in Kuzma. I mean, this in real life, every team, it seems Good. like, has interest in Kuzma. Absolutely. So, so if it doesn't work out, if, you know, we do this kind of handshake agreement and, you know, we, we look for it, look at it for, for the rest of the season and the beginning of next season and, and it's not, you know, working out for us, before next season's deadline, we can probably flip him for the same assets we gave up, right? It's not going to be like he's going to depreciate in value over that year. Mm-hmm. So I don't see – I see it as almost a no-loss kind of move for the Kings and it's also a move that if you're really honestly trying to create a contender that, you know, can – at least get to the West Western Finals. I mean, you have to make a move like that, and I don't see a reason why they they wouldn't do it as well as they've been playing. I mean, I, I think we all kind of think in the back of our minds the Kings aren't really a legit quote unquote team, but they are borderline. And so, you know, how do we, how do we get over that edge? How do we get over that hump? So that was kind of my my secret, I guess, you know, motive here. And so I think Kuzma adding Kuzma to the squad. I think it's it's a decent move. I don't think it's like the one that I would love to get. I would love to get obviously a, a bigger star, but I just don't see anyone out there available. Mm. I, I have a question on this. I mean, obviously, this is coming from from a certain space in my heart because you know, um, I did try to go after Keegan Murray <laughs> and that didn't work. And then I was like, oh, he's available because you know, again, uh, and Stephen brought this out. The idea that you that you gave in response to that was sound, but also you know, you don't expect you know, a top four pick to be available that soon, especially playing well mm-hmm. on a team that's playing well. But obviously, mm-hmm. in a, especially in a simulation like this, if he is available, okay, let's see. Let's see what we can do. And with right. that being said, I know I'm not the only one who came to that realization when we went out, wow, like Keegan Murray's at least, you know, available, not being shopped. 
what other if you know you'd like to share offers did you get did you receive a lot of interest in um murray and and what was your thought process going and obviously not making him a player that you were shopping by any stretch but also giving yourself the open opportunity to at least evaluate a deal if the right one came just kind of want to get the sense of the market for this player once we saw that he was available in this semi. Well, I, I know I got several offers. I couldn't tell you. I mean, none of them knocked my socks off. You know, um, we were actually, I was actually, <laughs> I was actually back and forth uh, with Matt on the Wizards. Um, you know, first he offered uh, Kuzma and Vernon Carey and uh, I think two seconds. Well, no, I'm sorry. First he offered uh, Kuzma and Vernon Carey in exchange for Davion Mitchell, Keegan Murray, and my 2029 first round pick. And that just wasn't, it, it just wasn't, that was too much, giving up too much for, for Kuzma, who, as you guys said, there's no guarantees that, you know, works with the Kings and there's no guarantees that uh, he resigns. So, you know, I, th- I thought that was just a little bit too unfair in favor of the Wizards. Then he offered two first round or two second round picks and uh, on top of, you know, uh, uh, Kuzma and Vernon Carey. And I said, well, you're starting to tilt the skills now. And I'm thinking about it. And then eventually, you know, as we get down to the zero hour there, that's when he offered this, this trade. So, you know, there's some, there's some kind of like mental thing to that also where it's like, you know, he kind of broke me down in a way because it's like, you know, eh, do I want to do it? Do I not want to do it? And he just kept making it a little bit more, a little bit better deal, a little bit better deal. And at some point I just kind of said, you know what, screw it. I think this is probably the best thing I'm going to get. Uh, Cause you know, I, we, I know, you know, Corbin, you and I were talking about uh, Royce O'Neal, who I like a lot, you know, in yeah. that role I was talking about where, you know, it, it's somebody that can guard, a Kevin Durant type, you know, he's not necessarily the biggest guy in the world, but he is a, a solid defender, a uh, good perimeter defender. So, you know, I was thinking about adding him to the squad because I think perimeter defense is something that the Kings are really lacking. But Keegan Murray just seemed like too much of a too steep of a of a of a price because, like you said, you know, th- his value is pretty high right now. Fourth overall pick, and uh, and and playing well, and like you said, good, teams doing well too. And that's that's I mean, there's there's nothing not to like about Keegan Murray. So. I wasn't necessarily looking to move him. I wasn't like adamant about moving Keegan. Mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, hey, if I can get Keegan out there and return a, a third star, quote unquote, then that's what I'm going to do. And so that's that's where this trade came around. I didn't get another player out there that was a star, in my opinion. I got offers for like, you know, some veterans that were making money that were kind of expiring and and things like that. And I think like you know, first round picks were thrown in here and there. So. I don't think uh, I really got anyone that was even at the level of Kuzma in return for Keegan. Just kind of give you an idea what that um, value was like. But I did get several offers. I got like three or four offers. Okay. Cool, cool. Just curious. I, I, I like that. Yeah. So, Corbin, you could tell, is a little upset that he couldn't pull off that <laughs> Keegan married for Royce O'Neal. But <laughs> Corbin's going to be on our next episode. Obviously, he's going to be on every segment of all these shows, but... He's going to give his rationale behind trades he's done as the Nets. You guys can actually, exactly. You guys could actually find on Sports Ethos' website. The landing page isn't up yet for the mock trade deadline. Well, as I said, it's going to have a whole page dedicated to it, but you could look up starting tomorrow moves of the mock trade deadline with little blurbs and rationales from the GMs and from myself that have been written out. So be on the lookout for that. Um, Corbin, anything else for Keith? Honestly, no, a pleasure talking with you, you know, wish we had uh, come to a good deal, but you know, business is business. Definitely appreciate you coming on and just want to thank you for being part of it. It was really fun. And, you know, you being engaging and helping out with everything you got going on was really appreciated. Oh yeah, absolutely guys. It's always fun. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can do it again next year, but, um, you know, yeah, 
yeah, it's a lot of fun. Appreciate being a part of it. Okay. You can follow Keith on Twitter at BSBP Keith. He is on, as I said, sports, the, so, uh, sports Ethos's DFS team. He is host of our Chicago Bulls coverage at Ethos Bulls. And Colbin and I will be coming on next with Yossi Goslin, who is the salary cap expert for Hootsuite. And he represented the Los Angeles Clippers. And we are going to discuss a major trade that probably wouldn't happen in real life for him as well. So we will be with that momentarily. Keith, thank you so much for coming on. And Corbin and I will be with you guys in a couple minutes. Okay, now Corbin and I are joined by Hoops Hype salary cap expert Yossi Goslin, who is representing Los Angeles Clippers in this exercise. And Yossi, as I just told you before we started recording, I was like, sure, I'll push the trade that you did with the Rockets through, but I need you to come on and justify it. So... Let me pull it up right here. So, Yossi, as I said, is the Los Angeles Clippers. And I assigned Yossi the Clippers initially because he was like, I don't, I, I'm just happy to participate. I'll take whoever you want to sign me. I gave him the Clippers just because the Clippers seem to have this abundance amount of paying the luxury tax. Steve Ballmer's the richest owner in the sport. He, he'll pay whatever. So I was like, oh, giving a salary cap mine like Yossi, the Clippers, I think would be really fun. And... You know, so far he hasn't let us down, and he's definitely not going to let us down. But it's interesting because he went in a different direction. Obviously, the Clippers with the SGA and Paul George trade really pushed all the chips in to get Kawhi Leonard. And with all the injuries, they haven't really lived up to the expectations of a championship-caliber team. So Yossi kind of went the other way. And as I said, you guys, this will be on SportsEthos.com starting tomorrow, where you could see... My the GM's rationalization and my little blurbs of every single trade that has transpired so far. So I would say get a pen and paper. This is a long one, but just check it out on sportsethos.com. Yossi traded Kawhi Leonard, Jason Preston, and BJ Boston to the Rockets. In return, he got Eric Gordon, Ty Ty Washington, Boban Marjanovic, Jason Tate, and then Alperin Shingun, who I was just telling Yossi I love as a big man. He's definitely had a monster few games recently, but this trade actually happened right before those big games broke out. But either way, Shingun obviously is a valuable piece. And then the first round picks he got, 2024 Brooklyn first, 2026 Brooklyn first, 2028 Houston first, that's top 10 protected, Milwaukee 24 seconds, Golden State 24 seconds, and a pick swap with Milwaukee's 2023 first which doesn't look like it's going to end up swapping given the Clippers are still hovering around 500. But who knows? The NBA is a crazy world that we live in. So Yossi, how, number one, how, how did this negotiation, I know you kind of posted in the Discord on the trade block, or uh, I forget how it happened, but one of you guys posted saying, oh, I'll trade a big name, or Cooper said he's looking for a yeah. big name. So, yeah, he I, said Shangoon's available looking for a star, and that's how it started. Okay, so how how did that transpire? I mean, you just said, well, you did you come into this looking to trade Kawhi Leonard when you found out you were the Clippers? Yeah, I was looking to blow it up, mostly for fun. Okay. <laughs> just because I'm sure everyone's going to try to make their team as good as possible. But um, I also do think that, you know, uh, I and I've, I've been – probably the one of the bigger clipper believers since they put this team together mm-hmm. i i uh they were my before the they were my pick to win the championship in 2020 and then in 2021 which maybe they would have won if they didn't get injured 
And then the, coming into this year, I thought they'd be the champion uh, heading into the season. And now I think it's starting to get to the point where um, they're, they're not going to, I don't see them in real life doing this, but maybe if you could, you know, if you're going to potentially go another direction, now it was probably the best time because, um, you know, Kawhi and George are in their early 30s now. Uh, they've got some miles on them. So if they can, if they want to try to extract as much value as possible and go in another direction, that would be the time. Obviously, what complicates that in real life is that the Clippers still owe two more picks to the Thunder and I believe two more swaps to them as well. So they can't really uh, tank or, you know, bottom out for their own picks. So it's complicated, but, and also I think they still, they probably still believe that they can win it. Um, so as one of the bigger Clipper believers, my belief in them, my confidence in them definitely took a nosedive this year. Um, so I do think there is a, a very, I, I do think there's a, a, a good argument to be had for them to, you know, if they can get this much value for their guys, uh, yeah why not especially with Kawhi's knee injury with obviously last year we know he missed a year with the partially torn ACL and then he was missing you know 12 straight games with out indefinitely knee management we we didn't really have a lot of clarity on it so it's definitely concerning and you definitely recouped a whole lot of value for him and as I said you did do that trade with Houston we're gonna have Cooper Klein who represented the Rockets coming up right after we finish up with you so we'll, we'll hear the rationale from both sides. But when I asked you to come on the pod, I said, can you come on the pod Sunday just for this Kawhi trade? You said, yeah, and maybe by then, you know, I'll blow it up even more. Obviously, you haven't to this point, but we still have a couple, another, you know, week and a half of this exercise. So maybe, you know, is there a possibility you trade Paul George? Yeah, uh, I haven't really gotten deep into that. But listen, you saw, you saw something comes along. Big members, you saw what I got for Kawhi. If you're interested in Paul George, you kind of see what I'm looking for for Paul. Yeah. So let's see. I, I don't know. I haven't, maybe the Kawhi trade, maybe some people got scared off by that. Now they don't want to approach me about Paul George. Cause I mean, you saw what I got for Kawhi, but uh, I am, I will, I do want to talk about some of the other things about this trade. So obviously Shingun, Um I think he can be, uh, not obviously not not Jokic, maybe not even Sabonis good, but I but he could get close to me. I think he's a very similar player type um, as, as far as being an offensive hub on center. Houston has not used him like that, uh, but I think one if they if, I do think that's where uh, that's his uh, destiny. So he I think he's going to you know, maybe not being like an all-star every year. I do think he's got a couple of appearances coming up in his career. So to get a guy like Shingun, uh, who personally I'm very high on, I think that's a bit, it's a, that's a huge win. Now, as far as the other guys I got uh, coming up with the salary filler to get Kawhi was a little challenging, uh, but, um, or uh, Cooper and Houston, but we basically put like, that's the re- main reason uh, Gordon's in, uh, Jay Sean Tate's in. Um, I also got Boban. Uh, and then I also got Ty Ty Washington. So that made that made it match for uh Kawhi. So, but you know, 
Eric Gordon, another guy. Uh, maybe I could get a little something from him. I'm not going to ask for the world for him. Uh, Jay Sean Tate, I, a guy on a very good deal. I, you know, I'm not really just another good guy to have no matter where the Clippers are going right now. Um, and then I also created a 19 and a half million trade exception uh, in this deal. And I dropped the Clippers luxury tax by like, looks like 50 million. Yeah. And um, yeah. And with the payroll savings as well, it's like a total of 70 million in savings, no 60 million in savings overall. Yeah. So a couple other things I, I accomplished in that. Yeah. And you know, as Miami, you and I have done a little bit of preliminary negotiations. I approached you about Robert Covington. You said you throw in John Wall and take Duncan Robinson, but you'd won Nikola Jovic. You won my 23 first. And I, I don't know. Miami, I feel like in general at the deadline is in a precarious situation with that whole Robinson contract and they're right under the tax. And I don't know, but that, that was something you approached me about. I did ask about Jay Sean Tate after you got him, and you said, yeah, now nah, if I'm moving somebody, it's going to be Covington. So clearly you like Tate. And yeah. yeah, and you know, I'm Miami. Corbin is Brooklyn. Maybe one of us could approach you about Paul George, and we could see how that goes. But I, you kind of established that precedent with that Kawhi trade. So we'll have to see how that goes. So. Is there any other negotiations that have really stuck out to you that you said, okay, this is another way for the Clippers to blow it up or not quite yet? Uh, I mean, you know, just kind of like what Utah did, uh, just get as many assets as possible mm-hmm. for the two stars. It's, and it's a tighter window for me because unlike Utah, uh, their stars are very young. My stars are not very young at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, you know, um, I'm just in it for the picks and the young players. Okay, I like that. And, the, and I, you know, the savings if possible. If you know, obviously, my boss doesn't really care up all that much about that. But um, you know, I can if I can save him a lot of money. Why not? Definitely like that. Um, I got that to ask. I mean, it not only obviously are you um someone who's in this for the Clippers, but just as a general uh NBA salary cap expert. I kind of want to get your feeling on what's been the most interesting trade that either has been proposed to you, whether you accept it or not, or one that you've seen in this simulation in general um, that you thought was, you know, kind of unique. Can you give me some examples? Because I don't, I can't say. So, like, I, okay, so maybe an interesting proposal. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about your trade. I like what you did. Oh, okay. Because I was, okay, cool. Got you. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I'm one of my, um, I'll, I'll let Steven actually has all laid out because I'm about to say I got, but lay out the trade if you would, Steven. I know that for yeah, the Nets, no problem. the big thing was moving Ben so, Simmons. So, so mm-hmm. Corbin will dive more into this next episode when he talks about what he's done as the Nets, but he traded Ben Simmons, Cam Thomas, and a 2028 top four protected Nets first, and a 2026 Minnesota seconds, or seconds, two Minnesota, excuse me. He got D'Angelo Russell back in the Brooklyn gray or black, Bryn Forbes, Wendell Moore. So, yes, you had to give up Kane Thomas in the first, but you got off Ben Simmons, essentially got DeAndre Russell's expiring contract, and you're taking Flyer on Wendell Moore. Yeah, so, Yossi, so, is that the one that you're referring to? I li- and you did another trade too, right? Yes, he also did. I kind of compliment that. 
He got Colin Sexton, Taylor Horton Tucker, Rudy Gay, and a 20-25 seconds. Traded them to Utah for all his shooting, basically. Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, and the Sixers' top eight 20-27 first. So, yeah, I I find that pretty interesting because that's also something I do not see the Nets ever doing uh, because I... I think they probably they probably still believe Ben Simmons will get back to whatever to that level. And I think it's all it might be equally as likely that he does not that this, you know, he might get a little better, but he just doesn't get back to that level. So I I think um, it's very I, I do. So, you know, if if two years from now, Ben Simmons is still a shell, uh, then you did really well here. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, time will tell on that. And yeah. Corbin, I, I know we're going to talk about the next episode, but your mm-hmm. rationale from what we spoke about is I didn't think anybody was going to take that Ben Simmons contract. And, you know, I found the taker for it. D'Angelo Russell isn't expiring. I am excited to see in real life how a Kyrie Irving, Colin Sexton, and D'Angelo Russell backcourt will work out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the whole point of this exercise is to kind of see what could happen, what kind of guys could be moved. Mm-hmm. Now, what not you know, predicting the exact trades in its reality. I mean, this is supposed to be fun too for all of us. Yeah. So, so you kind of were on the same similar path of thinking of Yossi was trading Kawhi, mm-hmm. where, is, okay, mm-hmm. get off the money. Let's see what we could get and go from the Yossi. Obviously got more assets for Kawhi than you did for Ben Simmons, but <sighs> Hope so. you, yeah, got exactly. off the, you got off the money, which is what your goal was. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's why I was interested in hearing you see on that because like you said, Stephen, it was one of those trades that, yeah, if we're if we're and we're not thinking is doing anything like, okay, what would probably happen? But at the same time, like, okay, if you're like you said, in, in terms of the Clippers, and you're like, hey, let me just see what I can get back. Put it out there, okay, I like that. For me, like, yeah, on the basketball fit, it's funny. I do like the the shot creators off the dribble, so it's kind of funny. But like for me, I was just trying to see, can I get off Ben Simmons' contract? If it would take that. Okay, because I am not as high a believer as others may be, you know, and so I agreed with that. So I was looking at yours since you're another person in this that did a trade that like we know wouldn't actually happen. It was almost like a little sandbox in that way, but also exploring from a team construction thing. Okay, what is the value of this person to that team? And it's funny, Logan actually approached me uh, before your, that trade became official, seeing if I'd be interested in taking Simmons for Paul George, something. Oh, wow. so the first I was like, no, <laughs> no thank you. <laughs> that is funny, though. I like that, though, because, like, again, it's how high you value Simmons. I didn't, he did for a minute thinking he could flip, and you're like, uh, no thank you. <laughs> All right. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, and... As Miami, I was like, do I want Ben Simmons? But he already did that rodeo with Jimmy Butler with the Sixers. And as a Sixers fan, I wouldn't say first hand. I'm like, nah, Jimmy Butler will not allow the Heat to trade for that guy. But so Ben Simmons on Minnesota right now? Yeah, he's so on Minnesota. It's Ben Simmons, Rudy Gobert. And Cat. Mm, I don't like that. Yeah, so, <laughs> but... I don't know. We'll see. We unfortunately already had Logan on before that trade went down, but I, I mm-hmm. will get his justification right to blurb on that. Again, that will be on the site at sportsethos.com. And yeah, so Yossi, what kind of, I know you said like you could flip Eric Gordon. You just kind of kind of got him because the salary had to work. What do you think in, I, I know you did and did something similar for Hoops Hype last year in the aspect of, and that's when I had you on Bird Rights for the first time. Well, you kind of talked about what you think each team could be doing at the deadline or 
nobody, everybody, nobody, eh. nobody aggregate this, but Yossi did, you know, discuss what could happen, what he's been hearing this time last year. So what do you think someone like Eric Gordon could go for in the actual deadline? So, and then would that line up with something you'd be looking for? Uh, like yesterday, Mark Stein reported that the Bucks offered four seconds for Gordon. I, that's what I'm thinking. Mm. Uh, they get that, or may, maybe like a first round pick swap. If it's something like, or, or maybe like, uh, something like, okay, a team has a high second round pick and maybe they, uh, or if the Rockets have a second round pick, a high second round pick, maybe they swap it for another team's low first round pick. It could be something like that. Uh, yeah. That's what I think they're looking at. They've been uh, holding on to him for years, holding on for a first, and it, yeah, it doesn't and, seem like it's going to come to fruition. And it's like every year, it's like Houston holding after that first round pick for Gordon. Like, I don't, I don't see it. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's bad if they don't get a first. I just, I just, I, I just don't see them. I just don't see them getting that at this point. Yeah, that's fair. So, okay. And then you have guys, obviously, Robert Covington is still on your team. You said you're probably going to keep Jay Tade, Marcus Morris. I, I know. Uh, like, I would say the guys I want to keep the most are Kennard, uh, Zoo, Tate, and then obviously Shingoon's and pretty untou- untouchable as it gets. So you want uh, to keep Zubach with, with Shingoon still? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Zoo's on a good deal. Um, you know, if I can get, if I obviously, if, if I'm not like, if, if I get a really good offer for Zoo, like I'll definitely listen. But, yeah. and then obviously Terrence Mann, he's on a great deal. And Ty Ty Washington, I, I like him. I think he, he could be a pretty good rotation player in the league. Okay. Uh, ideally, I want to keep my young guys. So, but anyone like 28, 29 older, uh, yeah, call me. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's again the Marcus Morris's, the Robert Covington's, and why Luke Kennard? Why 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 is he such an essential piece for you to keep? Uh, just another great contract. Mm. Uh, I think just a really good, consistent shooter uh, throughout the years. A lot of these shooting shooting types like uh, Duncan Robson, Joe Harris, Davies Bertans, they get yeah. paid and then just completely uh, fall off. And Kennard not getting as paid, not getting paid as much as those guys, but he's been. He's remained steady, and he's also a pretty good passer. Um, you know, he could do some secondary playmaking. Uh, so, again, not untouchable by any means, but not also my priority of guys I'm trying to move. Okay. So, yeah, it, it was just very intriguing that, again, I gave Yossi the Clippers because I said, okay, he's a salary cap guy. They kind of have an endless amount of luxury tax. So, again, I sound to you because I thought you'd go the other way. So it's interesting to see that, you know, you kind of blew it up and are willing to continue to. So we'll, we'll see how this plays out. You guys will definitely all be able to see it on sportsethos.com. We're going to have a landing page for the mock trade deadline with every trade that's transpired with blurbs and rationales by the GMs on every Every trade that happens here. So we've already had, I think, 18 or 19 trades completed. I would be surprised if that many happens in the real deadline. But in an exercise like this, everyone's going to want to participate and do multiple things for their team. So that's why, you know, we're having more than we're anticipating in the real deadline. So, Corbin, anything else? Uh, No, thank you for taking the time out to join us. This has been a blast. Um, 
and get to share the rationale and, and just kind of learn more about how we operate in the simulation as always. And Stephen, thanks for having me. Of course. You could find Yossi on Twitter at Yossi Goslin. That's Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Yossi, anything you want to plug or anything like that? Uh, you know, just follow me on Twitter. I got that trade guide uh, on Hoops Hype. I think that should be pretty relevant for the good. next few weeks. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. Okay. Well, I appreciate again. I told Yossi. I said I'll do the. I'll let you and Cooper do the Kawhi trade, but in real life, I I I don't think either team and Yossi and I talked about that before we started recording. We don't think either of those teams would actually do something like this in real life. So. Before 100%. anybody attacks our credibility, we understand this is supposed to be a fun exercise. So, yeah. Anyone both tweeted Yossi. Both teams say no to that for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Well, we appreciate you coming on and rationalizing everything. And next, we will be joined by Cooper Klein, who was the Rockets participant GM in this exercise. And you will hear his rationale on why he wanted Kawhi Leonard so badly in Houston. So, we will talk to you guys in a couple minutes. Thanks for listening. And we are here with our last guest of the episode. We have Cooper Klein of the Upside Swings podcast and our residence, Houston Rockets participant GM. So you guys just heard Yossi Goslin's rationale for the Clippers basically trading Kawhi Leonard to Houston. So Cooper, we already laid out the deal of, you know, all the moving parts to it. So essentially, what's the rationale the Rockets' rationale on why they traded for Kawhi Leonard. Well, there's there's a few moving parts in here. There's a lot of different aspects. We'll start with the big one, and that's we want to bring James Harden home this offseason. We trade for Kawhi, and we didn't trade our 2023 pick. The Clippers tried to make a push for the 23 pick, and I was like, look, this Kawhi guy, he's not going to play very much basketball this year. We need this 23 pick. So ideally, you know, best case scenario, we have Victor Wembenyama or Amen Thompson or Scoot or Azar. And then we also bring in Harden as a free agent, still have some cap space, have Kawhi, have Jalen, have Tari, have Jabari, have Usman. And even if all these guys can't play, they're still able to be trade chips. And if a, like, if a Harden, Wembenyama Kawhi team exists. I think that's an automatic contender and you can figure out the pieces to put around them. You have the assets to turn this into a real thing and you have the time to sit Kawhi this year, right? Like Kawhi doesn't need to play this season. In fact, we actively want him to play less. So we don't win basketball games, right? He's a good talented player. uh, And, you know, he'll play some, he'll, you know, figure out how to play with all these other guys. He'll play with Jabari, play with Tari, play with Jalen, work on that chemistry. But it also forces Usman Garuba to get a bunch of minutes. He's our new starting center. And we really believe in the defense. And we think he just needs reps, right, to work on his his hands. And I think the only way you fix that is rep after rep after rep. And that's what he's going to get. He's going to be playing 30 minutes a night now as the, uh, you know, basically the only NBA center on this roster. And... You know, even if that doesn't work, I think he's going to show enough where he'll be tradable for a real center or he can be a center or, you know, play next to Wembenyama and other stuff. And, you know, we're also very happy with the other pieces we got in this deal. Uh, big fans of Jason Preston. 
Mm-hmm. I think Preston is a perfect fit with this roster. Uh, you know, can be a point guard off the bench or a connector with different lineups, can play the one, two, or the three. I think the shot's real. He's got good size. Just such a smart, high-field player who, you know, will fit whether this team is a contender or whether he's going to be rerouted or traded or whatever. He just such a good piece. And then we also got BJ Boston, who is, you know, <laughs> another good project who we can send down to the G League. We acquired Kawhi for picks that we don't really know how we feel about. They're super up in the air. We don't need picks anyways. We don't have the room for picks. We have so many young players. Jayshon Tate, Ty Ty Washington, Boban, and Eric. None of those guys guys are real key, other than Tate even. But I think Tate is replaceable at the end of the day. He's a 6'4 power forward. And as good as he is, as perfect as he is for this team, AJ and Tari and Jason Preston and BJ Boston should be getting those minutes. Yep. Right. It's it's hard to justify not getting someone who was, you know, the best player in the world three years ago because of Jay Sean Tate. Uh, you know, we're worried about the injuries, but if we can get James Harden home, we'll bring James Harden home. So my Initial inclination is one, obviously this exercise isn't really us predicting what is going to happen in the real life deadline. In reality, I don't think either the Clippers or the Rockets would even entertain a trade like this, but I suppose it is an exercise to demonstrate what could happen. And while this one may not really be realistic, I don't know if it'd be that shocking if the Clippers all of a sudden with the knee concerns with Kawhi Leonard all of a sudden say, hey, maybe we do entertain at least some kind of offer for him. But my inclination is we've seen teams like Minnesota, for example, with Rudy Gobert trade, the Hawks with the DeJounte Murray trade. They kind of traded for a star and pushing their chips too early, I feel like. And now that's backfired on them. And oh, crap, maybe we shouldn't have given these unprotected picks for this guy because we weren't ready. So... Do you have that worry at all that, okay, maybe Harden doesn't come here and we traded all the stuff for Kawhi? Or is it, look, Cleveland did this for Donovan Mitchell. They did the same thing. Well, they might not have been ready. They weren't even a playoff team last year. And Donovan Mitchell's working admirably for them. So uh, what, what what's your opinion? Do you think it's going to be more on the Cleveland aspect of it, of, okay, this is going to work out great? Or is there potential for this to be like a Minnesota or Atlanta where you pushing your chips too early and it backfires in a sense. I think the big problem with Minnesota and Orlando or, or Atlanta is the price point they paid and the person they paid, played that paid that price point for. Yeah, they had a star at that position already. Exactly. And they they paid like twice as much as we did, right? Like we paid a relative tiny amount for somebody who could be a top five player in basketball. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, that's worth the risk. And we come in out of this season, even accounting for like the 10 million, we'd pay a top five pick. That's 40 to 50 million in cap space. That is a lot of room in cap space. We could even move Kevin Porter Jr. or move all these other guys who are expirings or smaller deals and create even more cap space. So even if James Harden doesn't come himself, there are a lot of other guys we could go after. We could steal Fred Van Vliet from the team that just traded for him because that's not going to work. Or we could, <laughs> we could, you know, sign all these other guys. The thing is that we kept all of our options open. 
We did not handicap ourselves to make this trade. This was the first move to bring other guys, to bring guys who want to come play with Kawhi. We know Kawhi and Harden wanted to play together, or Kawhi at least wanted to play with Harden, right? And Harden uh, wants to come back to Houston. Yeah, yeah. and Harden, you know, I, I think a lot of that is leverage to get the Sixers to pay him. But I don't, if the Sixers are bad and we have Kawhi Leonard and the flexibility to make this team whatever, you know, we want it to be, and we don't have, you know, Tobias Harris on the books. And, you know, I think there's a, a, a place where he comes back. And this team is like really, really impressive. The, the funny thing about the post Harden era Rockets is basically every single player they've brought in is like a guy who I looked at during the Harden era. And I was like, damn, we really need that guy. DJ Augustine, you know, Kelly Olenek, even, you know, like a guy like Avery Bradley, all the guys, we like a Jabari Smith, you know, Ryan Anderson with defense and a better closeout attack. Uh, Tari Eason and energy forward and big. All these are, are guys that you need around a Harden Kawhi team and who fit really well with the starting lineup, with the bench lineup. Uh, it's just, we have so many options. Worst case, nobody comes in free agency. We take on a few bad contracts. We figure out what Kawhi wants to do. Somebody have, there, there have been people who have inquired about Kawhi already. We could just retrade Kawhi <laughs> if, if James Harden doesn't come. Somebody else will take the risk. And worst case scenario, we believe in our core enough. Uh, sucks we don't have Shengun. We'll draft somebody else. We believe in these guys. And we still have a good, solid young core here. I'm with it. I'm with it. I think it's really solid. Um, like you said, one of those trades that come out of nowhere, we get one in real life. Every feels like every other year, right? Where it's like, oh, okay, we didn't see that happening, but rationale for the respective teams made sense, and I'm totally on board with that. I love shaking things up. We all know that. So um want to ask you, just in general, you were talking about your long-term philosophy kind of fielding offers. Uh, as you've been engaging, you've mentioned how active you've been. You know, every GM has either heard your name or seen you across, whatever the case may be. What has been, like, the most interesting offer you've been proposed or one that you proposed that you thought, oh, this might go through, that you weren't necessarily going in expecting? I'm sure, like, you weren't expecting to go in this trade deadline saying, we're nabbing Kawhi. But, like, you were, let's just say, intrigued I was pulling the table, whether or not it went through. I was really surprised Keegan and Rashawn Holmes were on the table for the Kings. Most of those guys, I think Rashawn kind of makes sense, but he's so talented and the price point was so low for him. Um, like I really wanted to trade for, for Rashawn Holmes. It's just the money didn't end up working out. And then the Kawhi thing came through. Um, you know, one of our big goals coming in was to trade Eric Gordon for a first round pick. Uh, hopefully in 2023 and our plans kind of changed. Uh, mainly partially because we couldn't get a first for Eric. There were teams giving us a few seconds and decent players, but nothing that I was really tied to that kind of led me to keep the market open a little bit. And and they kind of, you know, were slow to respond and the Kawhi thing came up and it was perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, you know, just a few hours before I was going to go through an Eric Gordon trade. It's I, I basically gunned for young talents. I've asked about every young talent that I like in the league. And I've asked about every single player that I thought was really weird that it, they're available. I asked about John Collins. Couldn't work anything out there money-wise. Um, A.J. Griffin, but I couldn't get A.J. <laughs> Griffin. Uh, shockingly enough, and, you know, I, I was telling you guys earlier, Every everybody knows my – you were just saying, 
everybody's heard my name. Everybody's seen my my little pinger pop up. Uh, I am bugging everybody to the tune of, hey, what's the what's the price point for blah, blah, blah look like? And um, some people don't respond. Some people tell me I'm a fool, but uh, <laughs> that's what you got to do. You know, you never yeah. know. I, I didn't think I'd be trading for Kawhi. And then I said, I'll bring Shengun's available. And now he's gone. So, And as I said, I mean, this exercise is more to just demonstrate what could theoretically happen at the deadline just to give – our listeners and our readers and subscribers, just an idea of what real-life NBA GMs could do. And that's not to say Kawhi Leonard will be a Houston Rocket. But as you said, I mean, Eric Gordon, the Rockets have been for the last three years trying to get a first-round pick for him. And you're demonstrating, look, I, in this exercise, am trying to also get a first for Eric Gordon, and I can't do it. So that's kind of how it then shifted into a Kawhi trade because you needed him to salary match or whatever it may be. But... Yeah, it's interesting if the Rockets in real life will be able to nab a first-round pick for Eric Gordon because I think they would have done it by now if they yeah, were. Yeah, that's the thing is that apparently there's a bunch of offers for multiple seconds, and I hope that they take one of those. But because uh, Eric Gordon just doesn't make sense here, and that's kind of the 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 loss, the complete lack of leverage that the Rockets have um, is that. And Eric Gordon doesn't make any sense and they have to trade him. And that's kind of what we thought for years. And then they just don't because <laughs> he is under contract and you can't do that. The longer he's here, the more he sponges up developmental minutes, the more he takes reps on the ball, the more he just kind of, you know, dicks around on defense and doesn't do anything. And it's just kind of a mess. The, the only other kind of, the only coming into this, the only other type of trade I wanted to do for Eric Gordon was a, I didn't think I'd find one, a trade where I could make the team better, but without making them so much better to where they win games. Mm. Right. And Kawhi is like one of the like four players who I can think of all of them in their own individual way, where it's like they make the team better, but they don't completely raise the floor. Uh, Kawhi just because we can sit him. And yeah. I originally wanted to trade for Paul George because I think he's better. And he was also on the, t- I don't know if I can say that, but uh, he was on the table as well. I guess it, you know the the Clippers are blowing it up, but oh yeah, well, yeah, that's how the folks here that they know what's available. Yeah, yep. and but then I thought about it, and then like Paul George is going to come and he's going to play a lot. Kawhi's going to come, and we can, in the name of you know, oh, we got to keep his his knee healthy. We got to help his tendonitis. We can keep his minutes kind of low, <laughs> and he can yeah. you know he can play some. Because, you know, we still need to win games. He still needs to get minutes, but he's not getting hurt and he's not winning us too many games. So we we're, we're very happy with where we are after the Kawhi trade. I like that. Hashtag little management. Gotta love it. <laughs> okay. And then Cooper made two other trades. Again, very fringy, roster savvy type moves. Um, you got... Yudoka Azubuki from the Jazz, they needed to move off of him to make crossbots for another trade. You took a shot on him, and you ended up shipping up Bruno Fernando as a result. So Azubuki may get legitimate minutes for you the second half of the year after the deadline because, you know, Shangun's gone, and you're talking about playing Garuba 30 minutes. So you did that, and then you flipped Garrison Matthews and your 2023 second, which is going to be a high seconds, for Deuce McBride. So... What I essentially what what do you like about Azubuki and what do you like about McBride that made you feel comfortable going forward with those two guys? 
So I, we actually forgot about one trade before okay. the pod, and that was the Bomaro one. Where oh, I yeah, you did add Bomaro from the Jazz as well because yeah. he, again, subsequent trade needed to clear another roster spot. So, so I, I ended up with Bomaro. Uh, Yudoka, I am actually not a fan of, but my good friend and uh, the main person I've talked to about this to make sure I'm not completely crazy, James Piercy. Follow him, one of the best writers I know on Twitter. Uh, he loves Azabuki. Okay. He does not think he's like a starter, but he's like this, you know, he is really good at what he does. And we could use somebody who's seven feet tall and just rebounds, defends, block shots, all that stuff. Right. Uh, and when I saw he was available, I was like, ah, I mean, worst case scenario, he is as bad as Bruno Fernando. So <laughs> like best case scenario, he's a fine backup big. We play him 15, 20 minutes a night and we see what he can do. You know, maybe we keep him around. Maybe we just cut him. It's not really a big deal. It's just, you know, we got him. We'll see what he is. We have some people who like him. I'm not the biggest fan, but why not? Uh, Deuce, I was inquiring about him because I had him lotto uh, in 2021. I actually had him above Jalen Suggs. Um, Just one of my hotter takes from that draft. But I still love him. Six foot one, can play on ball, can play off ball super gritty tough and i hate garrison matthews that's another <laughs> key part of this is there are, are not many players like garrison matthews is one of the worst defenders i've ever watched ever play the sport of basketball it is embarrassing for someone who is really good at drawing charges he is an awful defender uh and then he also sucks at offense because he airballs threes or clanks him off the side of the backboard and like i get he has gravity and that's his value or whatever but, I mean, we got BJ, we got Jason Preston, we have guys who we believe in shooting who are in the G League. I think it's a super replaceable skill set at the end of the day, and I hate watching him play basketball. So shipping out a second plus him to get somebody who I really like and who I believe in as a potential, you know, core piece, like, you know, maybe we have to trade Jalen Green for another star this offseason, and then we start Deuce next to Harden. Right. Like that is a world where that happens. And he's a perfect fit there because he's small. He can play off ball. He can play on ball, take some, you know, shots off for him. Um, I really buy the shot. I I think he's just the kind of guy you want around a team that isn't going to have like crazy good leadership if it goes the way it goes. Right. Like Harden and Kawhi are both kind of lead by example type guys. And you need, you know, gritty, tough guys to come in and, and do that. And Bomaro, I mean, Stephen, <laughs> you you predicted it. You the second I knew I had uh, roster spots open, you're like, "Hey, you want Bomaro?" Somehow I knew you'd want Bomaro. I was like, "I I need Bomaro." Uh, six seven and kind of run point guard. I think I buy the shot. Why not? Another guy who we can just cut, no big deal. I think he's the kind of risk you want to take in the league. See if he's really a guy. Um, and Stone and Bryce were really big on him. I didn't scout him much his year, but uh, I think he's talented and potentially could be, you know, a, a random role player when we trade out half our team for another star or something. Yeah, and this was a very – I see Corbin smiling because I, I think we're on the same wavelength of this was a very Cooper taking over the Rockets trade deadline where – you're going to inquire, again, you're a draft guy, you're one-third of the upside swings, and you're going after every single young guy trying to get a flyer on them. Like, okay, well, they're not playing much in this situation. Let me go after them then. And 
that's obviously Kawhi Leonard aside. That's kind of how I feel like all of this came together on how you would build the Rockets, essentially. So yeah, Colvin, I mean that's and- my that's my mo. Just mm-hmm. it's it's gunning for guys who are actually like bets to be good NBA players and that I believe in and that are undervalued and selling on my guys who I think are overvalued. Uh, and that's Eric to a degree. I had Ty Ty. Uh, I mean, I'm still, I I'm going to broadcast this to the world real quick. I'm going to take this over real quick. Somebody please trade for Josh Christopher. I don't have roster space for him and he deserves a home. He needs love and he was not going to get it here, sadly. So Corbin, whether that's you or whether that's somebody else, please, please come give me something for Josh Christopher. We love I mean, him very much. Listen, Miami I, could be intrigued, but he'd be your best young player. So Kyrie Irving, let's go. I'm just kidding. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so Corbin, anything to add? Um, no, I, I was impressed. Like you said, I, I figured that with these big trades, and I think we've seen that, Stephen, that like mm-hmm. there was sound logic towards it. You know, we haven't gotten to mine, so there, we can say that before yeah. doing mine. Um, but, you know, every person had like a, a good reason as to why they did it. I think that this was backed up as well. It's also kind of branches and interesting discussions on roster construction, you know, and, and where teams are and where they would go. And like you said, the possibility of, okay, if we are in a position to, you know, cash out, do we do that? How do we do that while not rushing development of our players while also bringing in a veteran who can help us out and significantly raise our ceiling, you know, in the future. These types of discussions are interesting and, and trades like this are also fun. And I think Cooper kind of breaking it all down made it helpful. And we've seen Yossi before as well as Keith, you know, also give their own ins- insights as well. So this has been great. I really have nothing else to add there. Yeah. And we see all the time in the real NBA where why the hell would this GM trade, I don't know, Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis. And, I know that trade is working out, but that's not something I would have done. Is that that's a that's a trade that a lot of people wouldn't have done as a GM of a team. So, yeah, maybe we're crazy. Last year we traded Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet in this exercise, and everyone called us nuts. And Corbin, we talked about this, but now all of a sudden it doesn't seem so crazy. So you you just never know with the unpredictability of the NBA how things can come together and how GMs are going to go about what they do. So, Yeah, and that's one last thing. Uh, this, Even if this trade doesn't happen, this trade deadline, if the Rockets are actually going for Harden, they have to make a deal like this. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit before the show, but Shengun needs the ball like to be his best self. Uh, and I don't think with Harden, you're going to be able to get that. With mm-hmm. Jalen Green, you're not going to be able to get that. With even Kevin Porter Jr., right now, you're not really able to get it, especially while also developing guys like Jabari, who needs the ball to figure out his, you know, closeout game and how to make layups and how to play out of the mid in the mid range while attacking closeouts. Guys like Tari, who, you know, the cool upside to him is he can ball handle a little bit and he's aggressive and he needs to figure out how to make layups right now. And as good as Shen Yun is, and he has been legitimately good on offense. There are just too many question marks there. And if we can sell before the rest of the question marks come to light and people are like, well, why would I trade for Shengun when we know he can't defend in a drop and we know he can't defend at the level, so where does he defend, right? Why not do that? And, you know, this is... I, I think we're less attached to these players than the real GMs are. Yeah. So we're more willing to look forward and be predictive instead of waiting until 
the very last possible minute when we have to make these trades instead of being like, well, Shengun has a lot of value right now. I am not as attached to Shengun because I didn't draft him. I didn't trade picks to get the pick to draft him. He is not a part of my resume. I am okay with trading him. So it's 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 a fun part that's maybe of this exercise that's maybe not predictive of the immediate future, but of the long-term future in a way the real trade deadline doesn't play out. But, you know, maybe the offseason or the next trade deadline or the year after that, or even the year after that, you know, you just never know. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you guys can go follow Cooper on Twitter at Ali underscore Oop underscore Coop. Cooper, is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, yeah, just follow the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. I'm right after this. I'm going to go post some TikToks, and uh, we're we're our Victor Wembanyama pod is going to be up soon. Uh, yes. We're recording that within the next few days. The deep dives are coming. We just yes. recorded a podcast with the great Chucking Darts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's about I, I have to edit that tomorrow and then that's getting posted and uh, also follow the HTX Chop Shop uh, for anything you want Houston Rockets uh, they're the best I do some stuff with them and I, I mean that's really all I do right now but I just really appreciate y'all having me on for this I had so much fun and I will still have so much fun because I need to trade Josh Christopher <laughs> we'll talk <laughs> and I'm still going to ask more and more people about my favorite player on their team. I need to go bug the Grizzlies about half their roster, but uh, you know, this, this has been awesome. It's been really informative. It's been really fun. And there's not, you know, many things out there that are, you know, that this fun and this, you know, informative. Okay. Corbin, anything you want to plug? I mean, on Twitter at Corbin NBA, if you're so inclined, I appreciate it. Um, Got some cool things in the works coming up, so that's exciting. And aside from that, you know, the stuff I do for Sports Ethos and all over, check me out there. Much love, greatly appreciate it. As always, Stephen, thank you for having me on. This has been fun to do with you, and I know we have a couple more to go. Of course. So this concludes episode, I suppose, part three of the mock trade deadline series that Corbett and I are doing for both Bird Rights and Round Ball Ramble. So this, again, will be on both of our feeds. Starting tomorrow, Sports Ethos is going to start tweeting out threads of all the trades, tagging the GM so you'll be able to see everything. Up on the site right now on SportsEthos.com, you could see the mock trade deadline. And I don't think any of the trades that have been completed have yet been posted, but they will be starting tomorrow. We're actually going to have, again, our own landing page. I'll say, you know, 2022-23, Bird Rights mock trade deadline. You can click on that, click on your favorite team, and I'll say... Every single trade, every negotiation, your favorite team is done. Written by yours truly. I will have blurbs on all that. So be on the lookout for that. And otherwise, Corbin and I will talk to you guys next episode. Eh, episode. Cooper, thank you so much for coming on. And we will talk to you guys in the next few days. Thank you and stay tuned. <laughs>